Before we start today's episode, I'd like to say that you should listen at your own discretion. The subject matter of today's episode is pretty dark and grim, containing child abuse and murder. But it's a story that I feel needs to be told and not forgotten. If you feel that you should skip this episode, it won't hurt my feelings a bit. And before I start, I just want to say Alex isn't recording with me today because he's been sick with his allergies, so I'm giving him a day off. Okay, so Sylvia Likens was born on January 3rd, 1949 to her parents, Betty and Lester. She was one of five kids born to the couple. Sylvia had two sisters named Jenny and Diana and two brothers named Benny and Daniel. Sylvia was a very sweet girl with long brown wavy hair and a flashy smile despite the fact that she was missing the front tooth after an accident that she had with one of her brothers. She enjoyed roller skating and the Beatles like many of the girls during that time and in 1965 she turned 16 but as you'll soon find out it really wasn't all that sweet. It was around this time that the family was having a hard time making ends meet. Lester worked odd jobs to try and pay the bills, but when that wasn't cutting it, he and Betty took jobs in a traveling carnival. While they were glad that they had a solution to their financial problems, they wondered what they would do with their daughters while they were on the road. The boys traveled with their parents, but Lester didn't want that lifestyle for his girls. Diana was grown and married, but they still needed to find someone to watch Sylvia and Jenny. Soon after she turned 16, Sylvia met Paula and Stephanie, and I'm going to try to pronounce this last name as Ban, Banisuski, at her high school. Um, at, they went, all went to the hot same high school. Sorry about that. Soon Lester came up with the idea that Sylvia and Jenny could live with Paula and Stephanie's mom, Gertrude, and in return, he'd pay Gertrude $20 each week. And Gertrude promised Lester that she would take care of the girls like she does her own kids. Gertrude had not always had an easy life. When she was 16, she married her first husband, John, and they together had four children. Soon he became physically violent and she divorced him after being married for about 10 years. Soon after that divorce from John she married a man named Edward Guthrie and he too turned physically violent towards her and they divorced within like months of exchanging vows um so what did she do next she remarried her first husband John they had two more kids together and then they divorced again later she met a 22 year old man named Dennis Lee Wright now they never got married, but Gertrude gave birth to a son with Dennis, who they both who they named Dennis Jr. Soon afterwards, after Dennis Jr. was born, Dennis Sr. abandoned Gertrude and the baby. Gertrude was barely able to keep her head above water with the seven kids, so why on earth would she want to take on two more kids? And to add to everything else, Gertrude's seventeen year old daughter was pregnant. 
When Jenny and Sylvia first moved in with Gertrude, Gertrude treated them well despite the fact that the girls had to share a bedroom with three of Gertrude's younger children. And that bedroom only had one mattress, so they had to take turns sleeping on it. The neighborhood kids came and went from Gertrude's house, too, because she'd let them get away with what they couldn't at their own homes. They basically came to Gertrude's house to party. Kids there were free to smoke, drink, and talk really dirty in front of Gertrude. When the girls moved in, Lester never checked out the place, but he probably didn't feel like he needed to. He paid Gertrude $20 up front and was off to the carnival, or off with the carnival, but soon things changed. Sometimes the $20 payments from Lester would arrive late or they never even arrived at all, and this infuriated Gertrude. After the first late payment, Gertrude dragged Jenny, and I should add right here that Jenny had suffered from polio when she was younger, and she, from the polio, she had a limp leg. But anyway, Gertrude dragged her up the stairs and whipped her with a leather belt, all while growling, I took care of you bitches for a week for nothing. Now, how cruel can one person be to take out her frustrations on someone who, for one thing, had a disability and for another wasn't even at fault for it and guess what the very next day after the beating that payment showed up in the mail when lester and betty showed up a few days later to give gertrude another advance payment neither of the girls said anything about the beating and i can imagine it was probably because they were either too afraid to mention it or they may have even been threatened to not say anything now, somewhere in this time period, Gertrude learned that Sylvia had been taking drink bottles back to the store that she had purchased them from and was collecting the coins. Um, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but back in the day, you could take your glass bottles back to the store and you'd get like, um, I think they called it a, a deposit or something like that. They would give you 10 cents. It was like 10 cents back. But anyway, Gertrude was like infuriated because sylvia was collecting that money um so she beat sylvia with a quarter inch thick wooden paddle on her back and her head and then gertrude became exhausted because she had chronic bronchitis so she handed the paddle to her daughter paula to continue the beating gertrude seemed to lay off of jenny after that first beating with a belt and maybe it was because of jenny's frail state who knows but sylvia she was never ever spared when Sylvia admitted that she had a boyfriend in California, Gertrude and Paula were so disgusted that they repeatedly kicked Sylvia in the pubic area and accused her of being pregnant. And the abuse wasn't limited to just beatings either. Soon, Gertrude started using food to abuse her. When Gertrude caught Sylvia digging for some food scraps in the dumpster, she, Paula, and a neighborhood child named Randy Lepper forced Sylvia to eat a hot dog loaded with all kinds of condiments and spices. And when Sylvia puked that up, they forced her to eat that too. Now the following fall, the girls returned to school, and this is when Gertrude accused Sylvia of spreading rumors that her daughters Stephanie and Paula were prostitutes. Gertrude berated Sylvia in front of her own kids and their friends, and Stephanie's 15-year-old boyfriend, whose name was Coy Hubbard, attacked Sylvia while Stephanie laughed and Gertrude called her names. 
When Gertrude accused Sylvia of stealing gym clothes, she punished her she punished her by burning her fingertips with matches. And the entire time she was doing this, she screamed at Sylvia, telling her how much she hated her and how much she had ruined her life. Now, I don't know how she figures that Sylvia had ruined her life um, because she was all for the idea of those girls moving in with her. But anyway, at some point, Gertrude told Sylvia that she should never do anything with a boy unless they were married. And when Sylvia told her that she hadn't, Gertrude literally flipped out and started kicking Sylvia's pubic area again. All while she was shrieking, you should never. She kept saying, you should never, while the whole time she was carrying this out. Well, I guess the kicking wasn't satisfying enough to Gertrude. So, she made Sylvia strip naked and insert a glass drink bottle into her private parts. All while the children watched and laughed. Um, that Gertrude, she was pretty sick. Lester and Betty came to visit the girls on October the 5th of that year. But again... The girls never mentioned the abuse that they had been suffering. And to add insult to injury, Gertrude had forbade them from visiting their sister Diana, who lived close by. And I feel like, and this is just my opinion, but I feel like if they had ever had a chance to go visit their older sister, this story would probably have a different ending or different outcome. The day after the parents had visited, Sylvia... That ended up being Sylvia's last day of school. Gertrude told the school officials that Sylvia had no interest in education and she was withdrawing the girl from the school. But this was a lie and the truth was that she had condemned Sylvia to stay in the dark cold basement at her house. Now you remember Stephanie's boyfriend Coy. Well he became Sylvia's main attacker. He enjoyed slamming Sylvia into the concrete basement and at Gertrude's persistence, he would tie Sylvia up and leave her like that for days. Now, this is what one of the parts that really gets me too is that kids from the school would visit and participate in the torture with Gertrude guiding them each step of the way. Some of the kids practiced judo on Sylvia and others put cigarettes out on her skin. And they did this just so they could hear Sylvia cry. Afterwards, Gertrude would bathe her in scalding hot water, and that would leave blisters on her skin. Once, Gertrude's daughter, Paula, beat Sylvia's face so hard that she broke her own wrist, and while the doctors were putting a cast on her arm, she bragged about how she did it. Once they were back home, Paula continued to hit Sylvia with her cast. Now, those are just some of the cruelties inflicted to Sylvia, but in the end, when she was weak, she told her sister, Jenny. She said, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die, I can tell. Her voice was barely a whisper. When Gertrude realized Sylvia wasn't doing so well because she had become incontinent, she allowed Sylvia to sleep on the mattress upstairs and then gave her a lukewarm bath. Well, it wasn't long until Sylvia was forced back into the basement where she was coerced into writing a letter to her parents. And that letter said, To Mr. and Mrs. Likens, 
I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night, and they said that they would pay me if I would give them something. So I got in the car, and they all got what they wanted. And when they got finished, they beat me up and left sores on my face and all over my body. And they also put on my stomach, I am a prostitute and proud of it. I have done just about everything I could do just to make Gertie mad and cause Gertie more money than she's got. I tore up a new mattress and peed on it. I have also costed Gertie doctor bills that she really can't pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck and all her kids. Later that same night, Sylvia heard Gertrude and her children planning to take Sylvia and dump her in the woods, so Sylvia attempted to run away. Unfortunately, Gertrude caught her and dragged her back inside and tried to feed her some toast. When it became apparent that Sylvia didn't have the strength to eat it, Gertrude struck her in the face with a curtain rod. And then Gertrude's son, his name was John, returned Sylvia back to the basement and he tied her wrist to the basement railing with her toes barely touching the floor. Once in the basement, Gertrude force-fed Sylvia dry crackers, but Sylvia insisted she wasn't hungry. Well, this once again infuriated Gertrude. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, so she punched her in the stomach. Then she forced her to eat the contents of Dennis Jr.'s diaper and Sylvia's own feces. A few days later, on October 25th, Gertrude, Coy, and John beat her until she was unconscious. But when she came to, she gathered enough strength to beat on the basement floor and walls, hoping someone would come help her. But that help never came. The following morning, Gertrude and Stephanie bathed Sylvia, but during the bath, Sylvia stopped breathing. Gertrude and Stephanie, Stephanie freaked out because they knew they were about to be caught. Stephanie tried giving Sylvia CPR, but it didn't work. Gertrude carried Sylvia's body to the mattress and told one of the boys to call the cops. When the police arrived, Gertrude handed them the letter that she had forced Sylvia to write. And she also told them that Sylvia had recently ran away and when she returned, she was injured. She tried to pretend that she was crying like she was just so grief stricken. And she had been, she told the cops that she had been taking care of Sylvia's injuries instead of taking her to a doctor. Officers found Sylvia's broken, emaciated body laying on that dirty mattress. Officers noted that Sylvia's lips were chewed through. All ten of her fingernails were broken and bent backwards. And she had hundreds of wounds on her body in various stages of healing, which told them that the abuse had been going on for a while. When an autopsy was performed, the cause of death was listed as torture. When the police questioned Sylvia's little sister, Jenny, she repeated what Gertrude had said, but then she quietly added, You get me out of here, and I will tell you everything. When they went to court, Gertrude was convicted of first-degree murder. Paula was convicted of second-degree murder, and they each received life sentences. But after a second trial, Paula pled guilty to manslaughter and was released in just two years. Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, 
and Gertrude's son, John, were also convicted of manslaughter, and they only served two years in prison also. In 1985, Gertrude was paroled, but died four years later from lung cancer. Paula moved to Iowa, assumed a new identity, and worked at an elementary school. Stephanie married, had several children, and became a school teacher. Richard Hobbs died from cancer at the age of 21. Dennis Jr. and the baby that Paula had been pregnant with were both adopted into new families. Jenny Likens married and had children of her own. When Gertrude died, she mailed the obituary to her daughter, I mean, not to her daughter, to her mother, sorry about that, and said in a letter, some good news, damn old Gertrude died, ha ha ha, I'm happy about that. The house where the torture took place stood vacant for many years before it was demolished, and a church parking lot is in its place now. There's also been a memorial dedicated to Sylvia that stands in the Willard Park where she used to play. Now, I have so many questions about this case, and I'll probably never find answers to them. I wonder why Sylvia didn't tell her teachers or run away while she was at school. The only thing I can think of is that she was afraid that if she left Jenny behind, Jenny would become the new target for the abuse. And I also wonder why no one in this story other than Jenny and Sylvia thought that this was very, very wrong and never alerted authorities or the kids' parents. I mean, were they all that afraid of Gertrude? Like I said, we'll probably never know the answer to those questions. Well, that's it for today's episode. Come back Wednesday for an all-new Midweek Mini where I'm going to be talking about the Black Eyed Children. Have a good week.